Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Boy, that was just a foretaste of glory divine. Hey, come back this evening. Please come back this evening. Let's fill this place. It is going to be a wonderful night of worship, 5 o'clock p.m. Okay, Luke chapter 2. I'm sure you're already recognizing that. That is the chapter that has the Christmas story. Oftentimes when we read the Christmas story, and I hope you'll do that, Christmas time, my dad, whenever we, uh, I was a kid, we couldn't open a single gift until we read the Christmas story because we wanted to make sure that we remembered why we were giving gifts to one another because Jesus Christ is the gift. Now, if you remember, right before we prayed, the offertory prayer, Sean led us in singing that beautiful song, Across the Lands. And as you were singing that song, I hope that you noticed, it really unveiled, it unfolded the entire story of God. If you remember in that song, it opens with creation, God created. And then it talks about God coming to earth. And then it talks about the crucifixion. And then it talks about the resurrection and the ascension. I mean, it's the whole unfolding of the story in one song. Well, in the weeks leading up to the Christmas series, as I was just praying, Lord, what do you want me to preach on this year? The Lord kept leading me back to the simple birth narrative in Luke chapter 2. And as I read that story over and over and over again, what God started showing me is that the entire unfolding of God's story is right there in the birth narrative. It's like God's story in the nutshell. In the nativity story, Luke chapter 2 we start understanding the entirety of, the, of God's story. And so we're, I'm calling this series Unveiled. We opened the, the year with Untangled because we wanted to get rid of those things in our life that were hindering us from walking with him fully and completely. And so let's close the year then with Unveiled. I want our, our eyes to be open clearly to the Christ in God's story and I, I, and I want people to see clearly in us the Christ who has saved us. And so Luke chapter 2. This morning, uh, it, Luke 2, 1 through 7 is, is the first part of the story. And really, we're going to stop at verse 3. But I want us to read those first seven verses so that we can just get in mind uh, in this Christmas season the reason why we celebrate. Luke chapter 2, here we go. We're going to start reading in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so 
one more time because I really want our hearts to focus on those first three verses. Let's hear them again. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so in those first three verses, we start understanding that the story begins with someone in charge. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I cannot do this. Lord, I can't preach this sermon. I can't make clear the story. Lord, only the Holy Spirit of God can do that. And so, Lord, I pray for your anointing. I pray, Lord, that in my weakness you would show yourself strong. Father, I pray that for every soul that is listening this morning, those watching on the internet, Lord, some just being able to hear it. Father, I I pray that lives would be changed today. Lord, I'm so thankful that I got to see those baptisms this morning. Lord, just a reminder of the joy of salvation. We sang joy to the world. And Lord, I pray that that joy of our salvation would penetrate and, and, and just illumine our hearts this morning. And Lord, if there's someone here who does not have that joy, the peace that Christ brings, Lord, that this would be the day of salvation. Father, we pray for recommitted lives. We pray that you would add to us and call out from us. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. Lord, may you be glorified, praised, exalted, and lifted up. Glory to God in the highest. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. The birth narrative opens with these words. In those days, and then listen to it, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And the very first thing that we learn in this birth narrative is that there's someone in charge. There is a ruler. His name is Caesar Augustus. And so let's take a look at that name. Augustus actually wasn't his name. That was the name that he desired and and encouraged the Roman Senate to vote on and give to him. Augustus literally means exalted. And please know that that was not a political exaltation. That was a religious veneration. It was a religious exaltation that was given to him. His name went from Octavian, which was his given name, to Augustus, exalted. And folks, if you're thinking, well, how exalted are we talking about? Well, if Again, listen to the scripture. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. All the world. And if you're thinking, well, that surely doesn't mean every single person. It doesn't. But I want you to know that that was not ignorance on the part of Augustus, but it was instead a show of his arrogance. That all the world. He was emperor over all the world. And again, if you're thinking, well, okay, how exalted are we talking about? Well, if you remember our days, our our months of the calendar, you've got January, February, March, April, May, and June. Did you know that most of those are named after Roman gods? January, after a Roman god. March, after a Roman god. April, after a Roman god. June is after a Roman god. 
Well, July is named after Julius Caesar, who in the Romans' eyes was a god. August is named after Augustus because he was viewed as a Roman god. As a matter of fact, if you want to see Augustus's full title, here's his full title. You're going to see it on the screen. Imperator, which means emperor, Caesar, that was the family name. So Julius Caesar, Caesar was the family name. It was only later that Caesar became synonymous with a title. Caesar became synonymous with a leader. But at this point, it was just a family name. Emperor Caesar. And then if you see those Latin words, divi filius. Well, divi was, it means divine in Latin. Divi was given to Julius first. The Roman Senate voted that Julius Caesar would be a god. And so his name became Divi Julius. Well, here's Augustus, Emperor Caesar, Divi Filius, which means a son of a god. Exalted. That's the backdrop against which Luke is writing this. A son of God, Augustus. And yet what we know that Luke is getting ready to tell us about is about the birth of the son of God. Not a pretend, not someone that was voted on by the Roman Senate. We're talking about this is the true son of the one true God who's coming into the world. Caesar. Augustus. You see, in the world's eyes, there was someone in charge. And if you think about God's story, isn't that the way God's story opens? In the beginning, God. There is someone in charge. You see, in this birth narrative, it's like I said, it's like God's story in a nutshell. This story opens with talking about the one that everyone viewed was large and in charge, and that was Caesar Augustus, a son of a god, exalted. And yet, he was not a son of a god. But instead, there was the true son of God. Under Caesar Augustus, the Pax Romana, if you remember in your history, that great peace that was over all of Rome, that was under Augustus' reign. And so for all the world, they viewed him as the one who was the bringer of peace. Luke is writing this to help us to understand that the true giver of peace was coming into the world. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. You see, there was someone in charge, Caesar Augustus. And the scripture says Caesar Augustus issued a decree that all the world should be registered and Joseph. And so we could read that and the world could say, well, okay, that's why Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem is because Caesar Augustus issued a decree. Friends, Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem not because Augustus issued a decree, but because God was orchestrating the whole thing. The world thinks Caesar Augustus is the one in charge God was in charge because it was several hundred years before Caesar Augustus ever issued his decree that God told us 
that the Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. A nowhere place. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 in the Old Testament tells us that this place, least among all the the tribes, this would be the place where the Messiah would be born. And so God was the one who was in charge because this is God's story. Anytime you start thinking, well, who's in charge around here? Who's responsible? In the midst of all the presidential stuff that is going on, and all the angst that sometimes people go through on, well, who's going to be the next president and, and all that. Folks, we need to remember, Caesar Augustus was not the one in charge. God was in charge. The reason Joseph and Mary ended up in Bethlehem was because God orchestrated that. Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1 says, God turns the hearts of leaders like rivers of a stream. He does whatever he pleases. That is our God. Someone could ask you, how did you end up in Oklahoma City? Well, you could say, well, my company transferred me here. I could say, well, a church invited me to come in view of a call here, and that's why I ended up in Oklahoma City. Or we could answer, there is someone who is in charge, and it is God, and he's orchestrating this. You see, that's what God's story is. He is the God of creation. He is the author of everything. There is nothing that has been made without him. All things are made through him, for him, and by him. God is in charge and can you imagine can you imagine as Joseph is walking into tell Mary that Mary Augustus Caesar has issued a decree and we've got to travel 80 miles to Bethlehem What do you suppose Mary's first words were? Now? There could not possibly be a worse time for this to happen. And folks, there are lots of times in our lives when it seems like this could not, there could not be a worse time for this to happen. It may be that finances are already tight And then the check engine light comes on in your car. And you think there could not be a worse time for this to happen. It seems like we keep getting hit after hit after hit. And then there's one more. And I I hope that this story will help us to remember that it wasn't a president. It wasn't a world leader. It wasn't the boss at your company. It's not a classroom teacher or professor that is in charge. It's God who is in charge. And so God's story in the birth narrative helps us to understand there is a ruler. And it's not Caesar Augustus. Praise the Lord. It is God. It is not Caesar Augustus who is exalted in this story. It is Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest. 
It is not Caesar Augustus who's bringing peace to the world. It is Jesus Christ who's bringing peace to the world. It's not Caesar Augustus who is a son of a God. It is Jesus Christ who is the true son of the one true God. There is a ruler. Here's the last thing then. A ruler makes rules. And friends, if this is seemingly simple, I really desired, I talked with Brother Ruffin this morning before I ever preached. Ruffin, I'm so desiring for this to be simple and this because the birth story is simple. The gospel story is simple. There is a ruler in the beginning, God. And he is a universal God. He's not just God over a certain part of the world. He's not a certain God, a God over a certain population of people. He is God. And there will be a point someday in the future when Jesus Christ comes back and the scripture tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is a ruler And that ruler does make rules. And so we see in this story, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, a decree. In the Greek, it's the word dogma. Yes, that is a transliteration into the English language. If you've ever talked about someone being dogmatic about something, it means, boy, they're really fixed. They're staunch. They're stubborn. They're unwavering. Well, it says Caesar Augustus issued a Decree, a dogma, an unwavering fixed rule. This is going to happen. And sometimes we live in a world where people say, well, okay, God may have given laws. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Thou shalt not profane the name of the Lord. Thou shalt have no graven image. Honor your father and mother. Don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery, don't covet, don't lie. We, we may have all these, but those don't apply to me. And folks, please hear the simple truth of the word of God. There is a ruler. And that ruler does make rules. There is the one true God and God has given us his law. Before we ever even get out of Genesis chapter 2, the second chapter of the Bible, God has given a command to Adam. Adam, look around you. I want you to see, Adam, this beautiful garden that I've placed you in, that I've created. Adam, you are free to eat of everything around here. Adam, enjoy this. But this one tree, this one tree, Adam, don't eat of that tree, Adam, for in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. There is someone who is in charge and he has made the law. And so, folks, we can live our lives saying, well, I know that there are laws in God's word, but they don't apply to me. I I don't, and folks, they do apply to us. When Caesar Augustus issued his decree, it was a universal decree. It went out to all those that were in the Roman world. They all had to follow it which helps us to understand there is a ruler and that ruler does make rules. Ravi Zacharias. I know some of you have heard of Ravi Zacharias. 
uh, a lot of times I will listen to KQCV, 800 AM, especially in the morning, like if I'm driving to make a hospital visit, something like that. He's on, on the morn- in the morning. He is a Christian apologist, uh, East Indian-born, Canadian-American, uh, Ravi Zacharias. Years ago, Ravi Zacharias said this. He said, the reason we have 17,000 pages of laws in the books is because we will not follow the 10 that were written on a tablet of stone. Boy, that's, a, that's so true. Now, where he got 17,000 pages, I don't know. It, it probably seems more like 17 million pages of laws, but you get the point. The reason that we have all these laws is because we will not follow the 10 that God gave us. Folks, as, as the people of God, absolutely, are we under grace? Oh, absolutely. But remember, that doesn't mean that, we're, that we throw out the law. God has given us his laws for a reason. And let me give you three of them. Here's one reason that God gives us his laws because whenever we follow God's law, it shows the world we belong to him. You remember God gave laws to his people and it was to set them apart. By following his laws, the neighboring nations would all know they do that because they belong to the one true God. And so God gives us his laws because it shows that we belong to him. God also gave us his laws because it benefits us. Boy, when I don't steal, when I don't commit adultery, when I don't lie, when I don't do all those things, I have found what a benefit it is to my life. Elsewhere in the scripture, the following the, the ordinances of the, of the Lord, following his commandments is not burdensome. They were given to us for our benefit. But let me give you one more reason God gave us his law. It's because God is love. And the summation of the entirety of the law, every single law that is given is to point us to the love of God. When God made a law, don't have any other gods before me, He did that because he loves you. When he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, God did that because he loves you. And by keeping the law, we are showing not only love for him, but we're showing love for others. That's why Jesus said, all of the law is summed up in this. Love the Lord your God with all our heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you remember we started the year with Untangled? We studied Romans chapter 13 earlier this year. And and part of that whole Untangled thing was we went through financial peace together as a church. And so the passage, one of the passages that we used was, owe no debt to anyone except the debt of love. For all of the law is summed up in this. Do not steal, do not kill, do not commit is all summed up in love your neighbor as yourself. Love is the fulfillment of the law. So you see, whenever we read in the birth narrative that Caesar Augustus, a ruler, made a decree, it is pointing us to the overall huge God story. 
it's pointing us to the gospel. Sometimes we say, well, the gospel starts with A, admit you're a sinner. And that is true. But boy, if you back up from that, how do I know I'm a sinner? Well, it's because there is one who is in charge and he has made laws. And, and we've broken them. And so you see, even Caesar Augustus issuing a decree helps us to understand the beginning of the gospel. That there is God. And God has made commands. And we have broken them. And friends, aren't you glad this morning that who Mary was carrying in her womb was not a Caesar. It was not someone who was a political leader. Mary was not carrying a man who would be given the title of a God. Mary was carrying God who would become a man. It's all the difference in the world. Mary was not carrying someone who they would say, oh, he's the savior. He's the one who's going to bring peace. Mary was bringing into the world. Mary was carrying the true giver of peace. His name is Jesus Christ. And friends, we need a savior because we have all sinned. And this morning, the message of the birth narrative opens with there is a ruler and he has made rules and that's why we need a savior. Would you bow with me? We're gonna go into a time of invitation and I have prayed this morning that the simplicity of those two truths, there is God. And God is the one who is in charge of this world. God's the one who is over my life. The only reason that I'm standing up here today is because of God. The only reason that you're even able to sit up right now is because of God. And that God has given us his commands. His commands help us to know that we belong to him. His commands are for our benefit, but boy, his commands show the love of God. And that's what the whole birth narrative is about. God was coming into the world. to live a perfect life and fulfill every law that God had given. And then living, having lived that perfect life, he would give his life for you and me. Us who had broken God's law, he would die in our place because he loves you. He came into the world for this very reason. There is one God and Jesus came to show us to him, show him to us. And that God has made commands and only Jesus could fulfill them.
this morning, I'm really pleading with you to experience the forgiveness of God and to begin a journey today of following him with all your heart. Don't, please don't let this opportunity pass by. Friends, it is as simple as coming to the place of humbling ourselves before God. God, I have sinned. I have tried to ignore your, your word. I've tried to ignore the commands of God. I've tried to say they don't apply to me. But today I believe there is one true God. And Lord, this day I put myself under submission of your command, of your word. I give my life to you. Praise the Lord. As we go into this time of invitation, would you please respond to what God is showing you in your heart? Don't leave. Don't leave saying, well, I'll do this another day. This is the day. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, may your will be done in every heart. Lord, we pray for the moving of the Holy Spirit in this place. Lord, do a work that only you could do. And Lord, I pray that hearts would respond to you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?